question. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, everyone. We'll see if I am now. There we go. Good morning, everyone. I open this morning with these words, um, author unknown. To realize the value of one year, ask a student who failed a grade. To realize the value of one month, ask a mother who has given birth to a premature baby. To realize the value of one week, ask the editor of a weekly newspaper. To realize the value of one hour, ask the lovers who are waiting to meet. To realize the value of one minute, ask a person who just missed a train. To realize the value of one second, ask someone who has just avoided an accident. To realize the value of one millisecond, ask the person who won a silver medal at the Olympics. Treasure every moment that you have and treasure it more because you share it with someone special, special enough to spend your time with. And remember, time waits for no one. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. I invite you now to join in as you are able as Leah shares an opening song with us this morning. Dreams come true. It's me. 
Thank you so much, and welcome all to the Washington Ethical Society on this final day of 2017. I am Amanda Poppy, the clergy leader here. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I am so glad that you are with us this morning, whether you are in the room or joining us on Facebook. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag so that we know who you are and we can welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We love talking about why this community is important to us and we are eager to hear from you what it is that you might be looking for. We hope you'll join us after the platform service for coffee and cookies and the lobby and the social hall and for a drop-in small group with some special refreshments in the, um, are you in the social hall, Zeb? Um, uh, right after our platform today. Also, we hope that you'll consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet, which is in your program, uh, so we can add you to our mailing list. You can drop that in the collection basket when it passes later in our platform service. 
I'd like to remind you to silence your electronic devices, anything that beeps, so that you can be fully present this morning. Although while it is out, you are welcome to check in on social media and let all your friends know that you are here. And now I'd like to invite Nathan David, one of our Sunday School children, to come forward and read our statement of purpose so that we can hear our shared values in each other's voices. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. If you are new to our community of children and adults, we warmly invite you to join us as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you so much. As Nathan lights our community candle, I invite you to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week we ring a bell in solidarity with people around the world, especially all those for whom today, 2017, has been a hard year because of personal struggles and loss or because of violence and oppression that has played out in their own lives. I particularly today hold Erica Garner in my heart who died this week. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and to the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and love. As we come to the end of this year, I'd like for us to pause for a moment and to consider one life, a life of a person who brought new understanding to the way that we see our place in the universe, a new way of seeing how we connect to one another, a person born on December 25th. I refer to, of course, Sir Isaac Newton. <laughs> who else? <laughs> And for this, I'd like to trust Neil deGrasse Tyson to get us excited about Izzy Newton.
Isaac Newton. I mean, just look at you, read his writings. Hair stands up on, I don't have hair there, but if I did, it would stand up on the back of my neck. You read his writings, the man was connected to the universe in ways that I've never seen another human being connected. It's kind of spooky, actually. Uh, he discovers the laws of optics, figures out that white light is composed of colors. That's kind of freaky right there. You take your colors of a rainbow, put them back together, you have white light again. That freaked out the artists of the day. <laughs> How does that work? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet gives you white. Uh, the laws of optics, he discovers the laws of motion and the universal law of gravitation. When a friend of his says, well, why do these orbits of the planets, why are they in the shape of an ellipse? Sort of flattened circle. Why aren't they some other shape? And he said, you know, I can't, I don't know. I'll get back to you. So it goes, goes home, comes back a couple months later. Here, here's why. They're actually conic sections, sections of a cone that you cut. And, and they said, well, how did you find this out? How did you determine this? Well, I had to invent integral and differential calculus to determine this. <laughs> then he turned 26. <laughs> then he turned 26. We've got people slogging through calculus in college just to learn what it is that Isaac Newton invented on a dare, practically. So that, that's my man, Isaac Newton. I just, I love this story and I love Neil deGrasse Tyson and thinking about Isaac Newton and inventing calculus on a dare. Coming up with a system of how our planets move through space, um, how the laws of gravity on our planet are true throughout the universe. I mean, we always start with the story about an apple falling and hitting them on the head, but the real story really begins with a few scientists talking in a coffee shop, trying to puzzle out why the planets move the way they do, and none of them can come up with any of the answers. And so they finally strike up a little bet I think the wager was over. Whoever could solve this puzzle gets this great book that one of them had been reading. And so they put their heads together and they can't think of it. And one person, Edmund Halley, remembers about hearing about this weird guy, Isaac Newton. Bit of a recluse, bit of a genius, even though he was terrible at school. And uh, he goes, he lives up in Cambridge. I'm going to talk to Newton, see if he can figure out anything for us. So Haley knocks on his door, talks to Newton, and they say about this bet, about how do planets move through the space? How does the law of gravity actually apply? And Newton goes, oh, I already figured that out. <laughs> and Haley's like, you did what? And he's like, yeah, Isaac Newton. I, I have the notes here somewhere, and he starts digging through his papers, and is apparently even less organized than I am because he can't find anything. And so Haley's starting to be like, okay, this guy's yanking my chain. Like, if you really know about these laws, like, get back to me. And Isaac Newton sits back, can't find his papers, so over the course of a few months, redoes all of his calculations, uses this invented form of calculus, and just puts them in the mail and sends them to Haley. And so modern science really began. Over a few people sitting in a coffee shop trying to puzzle out the very fate of the universe and the way everything works. And it's just breathtaking. And I think also this 
individual, Edmund Haley, who started this puzzle, you may have heard his name associated with Haley's Comet and how he created the predictions that hold true today of the way that this very comet moves through space. And thinking about that comet, before Haley, people would look up and see it in the sky and they would fear the end of the world, they would fear dark prophecies, they would fear... threshold of a new year. 2017 is almost over, 2018 about to begin. And we're all wondering what the new year will be and what lessons we've learned from the last. And having grown up myself loving mythology, anything with gods, monsters, the heroic epic, I think of the Greek god Janos or Janos. I've never learned the pronunciation because I read from books, not always from class. This was a deity, though, of transition and of gateways, known for having one head, one face that always looks forward, and a second head always looking behind. So naturally enough, 
he gets talked about at New Year's. And today, I'd like to invite you also to look back at the year ahead, year behind us, and at the year ahead. And understand that there are so many different ways and perspectives to use when viewing a year. Today, we'll be showing a few of those perspectives through videos and inviting you into reflection afterwards. While we don't all have a face that looks behind us, we can use videos to at least capture some of that. And then together, we can look forward, discuss, and build in our community. So Jen, could you start our first film? have gone stargazing in your life, have been outside looking up at the night sky. My older daughter complains to me a lot about light pollution, thanks to her Sunday school classes over the summer. <laughs> and so whenever we're somewhere where there isn't as much light pollution, we will make sure to get outside and look up. 
I was taught some of the constellations as a child, some of the ways that particularly the Greek and Roman cultures understood those constellations. Of course, they're understood differently in every different culture. People have looked up over millennia into the night sky and drawn different animals, different figures, imagined different stories in that sky. But one of the ones that I remember most from my childhood was um, Orion, the mighty Orion and his belt. You know, those three stars that make Orion's belt, and then you can see his shoulders and I guess his knees, maybe. And so still, whenever I look up into the sky, my eye goes first not to the Big Dipper or the bear, but to Orion's belt to see this constant in my life from childhood forward. I wonder what are some of the feelings you have when you look up into a night sky full of stars. Shout it out. What Do you have any feelings? Amazement. Amazement. Yes, me too, Carl. <laughs> Amazement. What, what is it? Wonder. Wonder. They're so far, you cannot even imagine curiosity, yeah, dizziness, <laughs> insignificance. Felix Adler, the founder of ethical culture, had an idea that religion was created in part because all human beings had some core experiences that they shared in common. And one of those, he thought, was our experience of our own insignificance in the universe. That moment when you are outside looking up at the sky, thinking to yourself, you know, you're seeing light that's, that's millions of years old, right? That has traveled across these distances just to get to your eye and your own perception of it an experience of yourself as so minusculely tiny in this universe. Adler believed that it was in part because of those experiences of our own insignificance that we felt a desire for community like this one, for religion, for philosophy, for a way of understanding our world. But a funny thing happens for me when I am watching the night sky. I feel both that sense of insignificance, how very, very tiny I am, and also, paradoxically, a sense of how I am connected to every single thing out there. How amazing it is that I get to look at the light that has traveled millions of years to reach me. How, as Neil deGrasse Tyson says, we are made of stardust, you know, we are the same stuff as stars, the way that matter and energy has come together over millennia to create the universe that we know, and the universe that we don't know. I imagine that many of you may have seen a certain Star Wars movie recently, am I right? I have not seen, some people have, I've not seen it yet because my kids are too little and so, you know, we have to find a time we can go. Anyway, so do not speak to me about it afterward. I want lips sealed. But I love, I love Star Wars movies. I love Star Trek movies. I, I, I even loved um, Independence Day. That came out before some of you were born, but many of you may remember that movie. 
And what I particularly loved about it, you know, Independence Day is one of the ones where the aliens are not such great uh, folks, um, and instead are coming to invade and take over our planet and suck all the energy out of it or something along those lines. And so one of the things you see happen in Independence Day is people all over the globe coming together, uniting across divisions and across country lines, etc., led by Will Smith, um, to, uh, to fight against these alien invaders. And it made me think of the solar eclipse that we had this past summer. The video that we saw was actually from 2016 when there was a solar eclipse on the other side of the planet, experienced on the other side of the planet in March. You may remember that the solar eclipse we had was over the summer. And I don't know how many of you went outside at some point that day to experience the solar eclipse. Yeah. How many of you had special sunglasses that you tried on or made a big box and put the box over your head, right? We gathered um, at a children's museum. We were up visiting my parents in upstate New York, and um, we went to a children's museum that was giving away those sunglasses, and people were pouring in for hours before the eclipse was even going to start, gathering on the field on this kind of hot day with these sunglasses. There weren't enough for everybody, and so as the eclipse started, if people had a few for their family, they started giving them away so that you could have the opportunity to look up and see this amazing thing. I loved the stories, too, of people, including some of our own folks who traveled for the eclipse so that they could see the totality. I know that at least one family here traveled quite some distance to see the totality. This shared experience that we had as humans noticing an amazing thing that was happening in our world. Gathering together, passing the sunglasses back and forth, passing these huge cardboard boxes wrapped in duct tape back and forth so that every person would have an opportunity to see it. I found it, for some reason, so deeply moving, and I think it's related to that idea of being connected to each other. A year in our own lives can feel like an eternity, depending on the year, and 2017 might have qualified. <laughs> but in the universal scale, when you think about the light that travels millions of years just to reach us, a year is a blip, just one little turning around the sun. And all of us are invited to be connected to that scale, connected to the enormity of the universe that we share, that we share perhaps even with beings we have yet to make contact with, whom I hope will be much more like the beings in Star Trek, the amazing different worlds that we might discover than like the invaders in Independence Day. We watched E.T. the first time for my kids uh, over this break. Uh, it's going off of Netflix tonight at midnight, so if you want to watch it, here's your opportunity. They hadn't seen it before, and I hadn't seen it since I was a child. And there's something, you know, the movie is done in this really kind of eerie way, 
But there's also that same beautiful aspect, the moment of connection with another being whom we understand very little, but whom we somehow know beats in the same way, whose heart glows a little more than ours, <laughs> but who is connected to us. That's the scale of a year that we are invited to ponder. So I have a confession to make. The first few times I saw this video pop up on my Facebook feed, I got to about the third question. I think it's the one about how much does a wall cost? And I just hit X. I was like, nope. <laughs> I don't need to see how bad 2017 was. I lived through it. We all lived through it. But then, as it kept popping up and people kept saying, this video is so inspiring, you have to watch it, I finally sat down, and so quickly was amazed by what this, world, what this year turned into. It just was so easy to disengage from the moment that I saw the depressing news, so easy to go, this year has been frustrating, it's been difficult, I don't need a reminder, I don't need to follow. And I think many of us have done that over the year with the news, seeing a headline we don't like, a story, hearing about protections being ripped away from people in need, having health care taken away, seeing terrible hurricanes, and we just turned off and disengaged. 
And when we do that, though, and sometimes we need to shield ourselves and protect ourselves, but we miss the stories of hope, the stories of courage that can come along with these devastating, devastating stories, too. And this video so quickly just became that first this anguished how, how can this be happening to a determined and to a moving how? How can I help? How can I make a protest sign? How can I run for office? And we have the ability over the course of the year to frame how we look at it. We can look at only the things that disappoint us, or we can sit with that disappointment, that fear, and that anger, and look in that dark space for something that inspires us. Something in the, just the murk that can give us a path forward. And that was 2017 to me too. I saw countless people right after the election going out with the Women's March saying we won't resist, or we will resist, we won't sit down. Very important distinction. <laughs> uh, and it just was a year of no one backing down, of people standing up. And it was amazing to see in my own life during these stories, every time on Facebook when I wanted to disengage, someone offering emotional support, someone planning their protest, someone organizing a community, someone saying, how can I help? Encouraging us to ask that same question. And not just to ask it, but to really live that help. And that was one way we could look at the year and one way we can build going into 2018. Let's just remind each other we can help. That's pretty adorable, yeah. <laughs>
when I watched that for the first time. I was charmed by the baby and, of course, by the creativity of the parents who created this really lovely video and had the patience and ability to remember to do it every single day for this, um, for this young child's life for 365 days. Yet I look and I see how I saw every single day of this child go by and you can mark his outfits and they're changing like he had a Santa outfit and standing up. You saw all of these things. And I look back a year of my life, pick almost any year of my life, it's just a war, right? It just zooms right by. And I wonder sometimes like, well, why is that? Like, why is such a war for me? What, what am I doing differently, or can I do differently? And so I look at this infant in the clip to maybe get some answers, and I see that in this clip, this, this entire, what was it, two minutes? That was his entire life so far, or her entire life. That everything that they've experienced in this world so far is in that one little tiny year. In that time... We saw them outgrow the width of the crib, grow several sizes of clothes, had a first haircut. They learned how to crawl and pull up to the side of the crib. And they're either close to walking and talking or we're already doing it. It wasn't a war. That's that they get confused with what's happening in the world. That was their world. And that's the big difference. I've had several trips around the world so far. Just yesterday, I got a glimmer of how different older generations and younger generations experience this span of time. I don't remember the particulars of the conversations I have, but my older son um, was home from school. He's 21. And we were talking about something. You know, you just get talking. And he started to say, you got to remember, Mom, your life is more than another lifetime for me. Being in, my, being in my 50s is a world that seems so impossibly far in the future. By 50, I expect I'll have a lot of my main living done. I'll know what I'm doing. What... <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> he says, I'll know what I'm doing with my life, and I'll have done much of it. Right now, I haven't done much of that living yet. Too much will happen during that time, and that seems like an eon from now. Okay, so when I first heard that, my first thought was, 25 years is such a short time, kid. Yes, a lot will happen, but it will happen a lot faster than you think. I also had to say, um, I'm not 50. (laughs) (laughs) To him, it was close enough. (laughs) But then I thought some more. Okay, trying to be giving adult here. I said, he's 21. The stage of his life is still so new this being an adult. He's not 30 years into it like I am. 20 to 25 years is unfathomably long when you're 21. Well, for me, it's like, well, that's just the time I've been with my current life as my adult, right? I've done a lot of living. He's just beginning to do a lot of the living. So as I thought on this conversation and I thought of all the big moments in life that we, that we don't forget, Right? Like, there are things like you'll never forget. Starting school for the first time, you might remember what you wore, you might remember graduating high school, first loves, first deaths, starting your first job, moving into your own home, retirement. There's endless possibilities of days and moments, little blips that you'll remember throughout your entire life. You'll forget a lot of the in-betweens. 
So then I thought of the times we forget. What did I exactly do when I was 33? Do I remember anything from when I was 33? Was, two seven, was 2006 a significant year or not? I have no idea. And I thought of my life, as well as my college-age son's life, and I watched this cute little baby in this story up here, and I witnessed this family's treasured moments, and it made me wonder, how much will these parents forget of the day-to-day, -day, the moments that they experience? Sure, they'll remember that huge, massive diaper blowout, but they probably won't remember the several thousand other diaper changers they did, and that's a good thing. A day or a year can feel enormous at first. And then we add more days and more years, and the little stories get lost among the big stories of our lives. For instance, a second baby's memories is not usually as vivid as the first baby's. And it's not because those second babies aren't special, because of course they are. But they're competing with other memories, other times that weren't there the first time. As we go, go, go with our busy lives and novelties wear off, we need to be more intentional about taking the time to slow down and be present for it. We need to figuratively take these snapshots of our lives every day to be here, now, this moment in time, because this is it. This is what we get. Like the opening poem said this morning, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift, that's why it's called the present. Live your present. This is a song by Peter Mayer. Sadness like a storm We have yearned We have yearned We have sometimes felt so utterly alone While we've turned While we've turned We've been stricken by the wonder of it all Stricken down, we have sometimes felt so faint we want to fall while we turned. But all in all, I see this year fly together has been fun. But say we make one more circle. One more circle, one more circle around sun. We have raised our fists in anger and we've tried to work it out, to work it out. We need each other, we cannot 
a year in a baby's life. I want to invite you now to add your own experiences of this year to our shared space together. You might want to just call out something that happened as I go through the months of the last year, or raise your hand if you have a longer uh, thought you'd like to share, and I'll bring the microphone around to you. Does anyone remember January? 2017. This is what democracy looks like. Someone remembers that. You want to share something? Uh, yeah. My name is Nathan, and um, the inauguration. The inauguration, Nathan remembers. Yep. Yep. I suspect others remember that as well. What happened in January? Well, this is more about the whole year. We were doing our thanks around the three-generation table, and I was asked what my goal was for the next year, and I guess it's because I'm 72, I said survive. Mm. Mm. 